As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. GearNetwork.com The following is a presentation of the Gear Radio Network. Hey, this is H.C. Loke. You're checking out the All Bets Are Off podcast with Robbie Vegas. What's up, Rock Soldiers? This is the rock star Robbie Vegas bringing you another episode of the All Bets Are Off podcast. Thank you once again for joining me, and thank you guys for listening when I said to follow us on social media at ABAOPod. We got some new followers this week, which I always love to see. Uh, most of you guys are following on Twitter, but don't forget to give the Instagram some love as well. Today, we are back in the saddle with professional wrestling, and we have main event Michael Myers joining us today. I'm very excited to bring you guys this interview. I hope you enjoy it, and you'll give him a follow on all his social media, and go check him out when he's in your area, if you're in his area, uh, however that works for you. But we're not just going to talk about professional wrestling, we're going to talk about some paranormal things as well. So... This is one for uh, a couple groups of our listeners, our pro wrestling fans and our cryptid paranormal people. So sit tight. If uh, pro wrestling isn't always your thing or necessarily your thing, there's something in here for you and vice versa. If uh, the paranormal isn't, there's still something in here for you. So I think you guys are really going to like this. So let's not waste any time and get to it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, it's Misty and Liz with Talking Literature. We're sisters who don't know shit about literature, but we love to hang out and talk about the books we've read. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Talking Literature and on Twitter at Talk Literature. And look for us wherever you listen to podcasts. So main event, Michael Mars. Welcome to the All Better Off podcast, man. Thanks for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me, Robbie. really appreciate it, man. Yeah, of course, of course. And I want to dig in right away, and I want to know how you discovered professional wrestling. How I discovered professional wrestling. Actually, kind of a funny story. I was nine years old, and I remember I was, my, we were all getting ready for church. It was a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I was ready. I had nothing else to do. I just sat down, put the TV on, put it through the channels, and I come across wrestling. And it's this masked guy. I remember it was a masked superstar, the lady. And he, he was, you know, just squashing this guy. And I've never seen anything like this. And I felt so bad for that guy that when I got to church, I actually said a prayer that he would be okay. <laughs> I had no idea it was a work. I had no, you know, my, my parents never watched wrestling. Nobody in my family watched wrestling. It was completely new to me. And uh, I was hooked. Like, I, you know, I started looking into it and seeing when it was on. Back then, I think that was like, God, 1984. So it was probably like, all-American or something, but was ever on USA on Sundays. But wow. yeah, that was my first introduction to uh, pro wrestling. <laughs> That's really cool. I like that you said a prayer for him. That was really nice of you. Eh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so back then, from when you started uh, watching it and you were a kid in 84, who were some of your biggest inspirations in the business at that time? Oh, back then, I would definitely say like uh, Ricky Steamboat, Dynamite Kid, Randy Savage. I love Barry Windham. You know, it was kind of like the, uh, all the guys that could really work, that really worked their asses off, like, mostly like the guys that all held, like, the IC belts, you know, like, I, I was a big fan of Tito, you know, and then years later, I actually got to work with him a lot, which was great, can't say enough good things about him, but yeah, it was like, you know, Bret Hart, Ted DiBiase, you know, the guys that were, you know, you could, you could tell the difference, even back then when I was a kid, I could tell, like, you know, they put a lot more effort into what they were doing than a lot of the guys, you know, and to me, it was just more entertaining, and I guess it was like, you know, high-flying, really, before, you know, the modern day, the crazy stuff the guys are doing now, I guess back then, that would have been, you know, the crazy stuff, you know, like, just coming off the top of cross body or something like that. Yeah, right. No, I agree. I agree. And I like that you threw in Dynamite and uh, Barry Windham, too, because they're so great. And I feel like nobody really talks about them much anymore. And that's kind of a shame because you gave like a great lineup of people there and they fit right in with the greatest. Yeah, especially guys like Barry, who are just so big. And it looked like he was just floating on air, you know, like yeah. the way he just comes down the aisle and get into the ring. It was just, like, effortless. Like, he was just floating on air. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He's actually one of my favorites, too. And, again, like, I don't hear anybody else ever drop his name, so that's really cool. Now, when it came time, uh, when did you realize that you wanted to be a wrestler and actually get in the ring? Like, how old were you about then? Uh, well, 
back when I discovered it, maybe before I was nine, and there I was in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. And then when I was 17, I actually broke into the business. Remember Iron Mike Sharp? Yeah. Kind of his greatest athlete? Yeah. He uh, actually opened up a school where I lived in uh, on the Jersey Shore, in uh, Brick, New Jersey. And I went down there, and, you know, I met him, I met his partner, uh, Chris Candido was there. Uh, this is 91, and I was only 16 then. So they said they, and I had to wait till I was 17, so, you know, the day I was 17, I, I went back, you know, it took a little bit of convincing for, uh, you know, for my parents to sign the waiver, so, you know, still a minor. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, after talking to them, and, you know, promptly, you know, I hold down the job, and I, you know, be the one making all the payments. You know, they, they accepted it. My dad came down with me. He met Mike. He met a couple of the guys. And uh, I, I remember I trained on a, they were open Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night. I trained on a Wednesday, a Friday, and they threw me on their school show that Saturday. Wow. And I had absolutely no business <laughs> being in that room. It was terrible. I, I, I can't even bring myself to look at the tape now. I mean, the but, thought um, behind throwing you out there so fast. You know, Robbie, you're just as good as Mike. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm thinking they needed bodies. I'm thinking they, you know, they, they needed enough guys to put uh, a whole card together. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it was, you know, sink or swim. I think uh, I did about 14 hip tosses in that match. It was uh, <laughs> terrible. No, it's like, I actually worked, um, Mike Sharp's partner, this guy Tom Rumsey, and I actually worked his son. And, uh, you know, back then, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, oh, terrible, this is terrible. And, you know, I watch it back, I'm like, yeah, you know what? This is not good. <laughs> so, so how long but, uh, after that match did you actually, like, have another match? Or were they just using you from that point on? Yeah, they did. They went shows there every two weeks. And when I say shows, I'm talking maybe, you know, 25, 30 people. Okay. So I did this little school. But, uh, you know, it was experience in front of people. And then I guess about a year later is when I had my first paycheck. And I was definitely ready by then. Mm-hmm. There was this guy who came down to the school to train. His name was Jeff Bukonis. Uh, and he was like a fencer for the Maccabean game. He was raising money for these games. And what he did was he threw a show in the cul-de-sac in front of his house. And he probably had four or 500 people at this thing. And I think he was going to take it like a hundred bucks a pop. It was ridiculous. But he had, um, he had Iron Mike Sharp on it. He, he came down to his school to train and he saw me and, uh, my buddy Mike Morado who worked under the name Ace Darling. And he asked us, he's like, hey man, you guys are, are great. You want to, you know, be on this show? We're like, yeah, absolutely. He was our, our first paid gig. But he had so many old timers on. He had Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkoff, Killer Kowalski, Baron Von Roshke, Baron Mike Sekluna, uh, just uh, so many old guys from the 70s. Wow. And, uh, you know, we, we did this first show, and, you know, he paid us in a, a hundred bucks. We were like, wow, this is great, you know. Then little did we know, you know, like a month after that, we started getting regular bookings from, you know, 
Jersey and Pennsylvania promoters. I'm like, hey, like, what'd you get? He's like, what'd you get? I'm like, I didn't get a hundred bucks. He's like, no, me neither. I was like, ah, I guess this is the business. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got spoiled our, our very first show. Yeah, right, of course. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, then in Mike Sharp at that point was still doing TV. So they would call him and say, you know, can you bring four or five, six guys to TV with you this week? So we would do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. We do uh, Raw, then Superstars, then Challenge. And that was great experience, you know, working for the big crowds in those big arenas. And, uh, you know, just from there, we started getting booked all over the place in Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, that, that tri-state area up here. And back then, the wrestling was good. They were doing, you know, high school gyms with, you know, 1,500, 2,000 people in them. Nothing wow. like it is today. Yeah, right, right. Now, when you first, you know, started taking bookings and got into the business, what were some of the goals that you were setting for yourself just at that point in time? My goals were, I was always a smaller guy. Uh, when I broke in, I was probably 165 pounds soaking wet. And, uh, you know, back then it was a, it was a big man business, so I was happy just getting booked, you know, and just yeah. doing shows and traveling and seeing new places and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I Probably just like anybody taking in, I would have loved to have gotten signed and had a contract and been on the road and, you know, did it full time. But like I said, back then, you know, 92, 93, 94, like it was just, big, you know, big, big guys. And it, I guess, you know, it just wasn't in the cards. I mean, you know, I, I never thought, you know, I'm going to be world heavyweight champions. I knew, you know, in my head I wasn't, I wasn't big enough. But uh, I don't think I started putting weight on and size on until I was probably about 30 years old, I guess. And I would try to eat everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, anything to put weight on. But uh, now I'm, I'm probably considered one of the bigger guys. I mean, I was 225. And a lot of these guys in these shows now, you know, you see them, they're, you know, 150, 160. I was like, man, if I only broke in 20 years later, <laughs> I would have been fine. <laughs> you know, trying to keep up with these young kids now. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's funny to hear you say, you know, that you were one of the smaller guys then, because when you first said that, I kind of, you can't see me right now, but I looked puzzled because I was like, really? I thought you were a big dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by today's standards, sure. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned working with like Tito and, and um, a few other, other names, but who were some of your favorite opponents over the years from then to now? I would have to say probably my all-time
Tommy Fierro. He's trying to bring back like eighties old school wrestling. Like he has eighties wrestling on Instagram. And uh he has a couple different accounts. He has over five hundred thousand followers. But he's been running these wrestling cons. He's actually got one coming up. It's gonna be his third one in May. But he's got, you know, like we said like I was talking before, Barry Windham, got Jake Roberts, Yasi, Eve Actually, he has Jake and his ex-wife, Cheryl. She's making an appearance. Oh, wow. Got the Rougeos, Demolition, the Islanders. <laughs> and uh, the big name for this one is uh, Jesse the Body Ventura. Oh, my God. He doesn't make a lot of appearances. Yeah, no. All, but that's on May 7th at uh, the Men in Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. But, um, you know, he's got a show uh, this this Friday in uh, Totowa, the PAL. But he's got Jimmy Hart on it. Uh, Danny Doring, who's now going as a superstar. Danny Morrison, going to work with Paul James, who's from NXT. But yeah, he's got a, he's got a lot of veterans, but he's then he's got a lot of new upcomers too. You know, it's, it's kind of a mix of both. He just tries to give you know a little something for everybody's taste. But uh, that's pretty much what I'm doing now. I'm I'm getting older. I'm 47, so I really don't want to work more than once or twice a month. Yeah. Um, takes me four or five days to recover after. I mean, the car ride home before I cramp up and you know, try to get out. And, <laughs> like, uh, I get into a hot shower. <laughs> but, yeah, right. Um, but he's great. And he's, uh, I think this is going to be his fourth show. But, uh, he's been drawing easily over five, six hundred people each show. I mean, his shows are really good. He's got a big following on social media. And it's, He's got a lot of big things planned. I'm, I'm glad he's gotten in with him. I've known Tommy, gosh, since probably 92, 93. You know, we all kind of broke in together. But uh, I'm glad to be in on the ground floor of this company. It's really good. I was actually talking to you about that. Yes, uh, yes. We first started talking. I would love to work there. I've been watching, and even the the guys that I ride with, I told them to watch, you know, and yeah. like follow on social media and all that stuff. And there's there's three of us total, and we were like, how great would it be to go out there and run our stuff out there? And but I'll talk to you more about that when we're not. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of favorite opponents, um, two months ago he he got me in the ring. He wouldn't tell me who I, who I was working with. He said, just go out there and I'll cut a promo, challenge anybody in the back. And I'm thinking in the background, like that never works out good. Guy that said make a challenge. <laughs> um, worked out real good for the hunky company, right? So I he had the guy hit it in a blacked out SUV. So I go out there, I cut my promo, you know, challenge anybody. All of a sudden, music hits. He comes to the ring, got a hoodie on, pops it off, and it's Enzo Amore. Oh my god! I was like, holy crap, man! So I mean, he, he, every show he kind of does some big surprise, and uh, I think uh, you know the people are digging it. You know, the word's getting out there, and uh, it's a really special rank That's really cool. I actually saw, recently, I think, on a flyer, one of my favorite opponents that I've ever had, H.C. Loke. And yes. uh, Yeah, yes. he's... Really good dude. Yeah, really he's amazing. Dude. He's absolutely amazing. And I've I've faced him in triple threats and singles and multi-man tags and all this stuff, and he's okay. always, always, always one of my favorites. Yeah, he's a really good guy. He was there last month. He'll be there again uh, tomorrow. Oh, he's okay. Very cool. We're going to have a, a talk uh, after this. <laughs> sure, absolutely. 
<laughs> so, you know, we talked about some of your favorite opponents, but, you know, you've been in the business a very long time. So would you say that you still have a list of people that, you know, you'd like to check off, whether they're like up and comers that you're like, oh, I'd really like to work with him and teach him something or maybe a couple of guys who you haven't been able to connect with who've been around just as long as you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I really don't watch the current product a lot. I'll, I'll catch them here and there, so I'll, I'll see, you know, clip on social media. I would love to work, you know, maybe somebody like a, a Darby Allen or an MJF. MJF, that'd be great to work with them. Oh, yeah. I, I think he's probably the top heel in the business right now. I mean, he's got, you know, the charisma, he can talk, he can work, and, you know, that, that he's got the it factor. You know? like, he just comes out and, you know, people hate him. Oh, for sure. Uh, and then, like, today's day and age, like, nobody wants to be a heel heel, you know, like, they want to be a heel, but they want to be a cool heel, they want to be cheered. Yes. And they're afraid of getting heat, but that guy, he understands it, you know, he, 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 being a heel, you want people to hate you, you don't want people to like you, you know, if you want people to like you, you're baby face. You're right. But, you know, <laughs> he, he gets it, you know, so, uh, yeah, I, I would love to work with him, he's, he's, he's great. I like that, that's, that's a good, solid pick. Hey everybody, this is Lauren Marie Taylor, creator and host of the Not The Final Girl podcast. Okay, so every horror fan remembers the final girl, right? You know, the one who can outrun and outsmart the Jasons, the Michaels, the Chuckies. I think you get it. But what about the girls and, yeah, the guys who met with an untimely end? Those of us who were tortured and tripped, dragged and killed. Don't we deserve some props? As Vicky in Friday the 13th Part 2 and Sheila in Girls' Night Out, I know what a drag it is to succumb to those masked and wardrobe-challenged killers to not be the final girl. On my new podcast, I'll be chatting with other women of horror who share the same fate. Special guests include those final girls as well as the writers and directors who created our characters, only to give us an early expiration date. And if they play nice... We'll let some of those crazed killers of horror tell their side of the story. So join me, Lauren Marie Taylor, on the Not the Final Girl podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you get the alerts when the episodes drop. Thanks for listening. Keep your doors locked and stay out of the woods. If you have a business, you need a website. What's the best way to get a website up and running? Choose a website hosting company that makes it simple, like Pair Networks. Pair has over 20 years of experience managing the entire digital ecosystem for thousands of online businesses all around the world. Pair makes it easy for you with do-it-yourself website building tools and features, including simple drag-and-drop page design. And they have guaranteed U.S.-based support technicians ready to help you whenever you need it, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Right now, when you sign up with Pair Networks, you receive one free month of web hosting. See for yourself how easy it is to build your website for free. Visit pair.com slash free to get your month of website hosting for free by using the code QUICKSTART. That's pair.com slash free promo code QUICKSTART to get started today. Now, the, the crazy thing about me and you talking wrestling right now is we originally started talking because you heard me on the Confessionals podcast, which is about yeah. paranormal experiences, because you believe yeah. in the paranormal also. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a, a couple stories. You know, I remember one day, gosh, we were way out in 
Las Vegas. It was me, Ace Darling, Nova, and Ace and W, mm-hmm. his brother, who were driving. It's like one, two o'clock in the morning. And uh, I remember, I'm driving. I forget who was next to me. I think Ace Darling was next to me and three guys in the back. We're driving. And all of a sudden, the same time, we all said, holy shit. And uh, they're like, did you see that? I'm like, shh, I'm like, stop. I'm like, don't anybody say anything. I'm like, on the count of three, everybody answer this question. I'm like, what did we all just see? At the same time, everybody said, you up, bro. Wow. And it was like this fluorescent green, almost like a dick kind of oval egg-shaped thing. Yeah. And I remember it just shot from the left to the right, almost like a 45-degree angle. It was the fastest thing any of us have ever seen. Like, nothing can move that fast. And uh, we're all just like, nobody's ever going to believe this. Like, no, we're we're never going to say anything to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) We're crazy. I'm like, this is like 1994. But yeah, man, that was was definitely a weird, weird experience. You know, Um, it's, it's so eerily similar to the story I told about seeing Bigfoot on the confessionals. I could see why you were immediately like, hey, man, me too. Oh, okay. And, you know, he had, he wants to go to family, so he had to write a letter to the Pope, and this is way back in the 70s, mm-hmm. you know, asking to, you know, he wants to leave the priesthood, he wants to go to family, and took the Pope a year to get back to him. He had a letter, you know, saying, yes, you know, I give my blessing, you guys go to family. But he told me when he was a priest, you know, all the priests live in you know, a rectory, you know, kind of like the apartment building, you know, they all have their own room. But back in, I guess, the late 50s, early 60s, Priests would always walk around, you know, they'd have a little book with them. Mm-hmm. And if someone, you know, it was just the beginning of the Catholic man, sometimes like this man, dedicated to, you know, so, so his buddy had his appendix taken out, and he was in the hospital, and they got a call, you know, saying that his, his stitches burst open, you know, because you guys come and bring him, you know, some new clothes, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they showed up and like, what happened? He said, I was, he's like, I was laying in bed. Then I heard something that I looked up and I saw Father so and so. I don't remember the guy's name, but it was a priest that had died about two days earlier. And he said he was at the foot of my bed, sweating, crying, and he looked like he was in a lot of pain. And then he just disappeared. So wow. they're all like, what? That's crazy. They're like, you know what? That's, when we get back to the record, let's go into his room, you know, and see if we can find anything. Mm-hmm. So they're going through his room and they found his little his little book, his Bible. And uh, like I mentioned this before, they, they would, you know, carry it around with them all the time and it had a dollar in it. Now back in the day, if you saw a priest on the street or something, you know, you needed, you know, mass said for someone who was sick or, you know, dying or, you know, you, you know, you give the priest a dollar, you know, it's like a, you know, donations for the church, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they said someone must have approached him, given him this dollar to say mass for someone, and he never got to do it because he passed away. Like this Sunday, let's say you know, you know, this mass dedicated to whoever approached Father, you know, so So they did that, and that same night, the priest that was in the hospital had woke up, had another vision, said he saw the. 
priest standing at the foot of his bed again with like glowing lights around him. He was smiling. He, he looked, you know, like in, impeccable. His hair was done, smiled, and then just disappeared again. Wow. And that, every time I tell a story, it gives me goosebumps. My father wasn't, you know, a man that, you know, made stories up or, you know, told tall tales. He was a real serious, now, like, he joked around, but, I mean, he didn't, you know, t- tell you stories just to scare you or, or anything right. like that. But uh, that one always got me. That's that, that insane. One, you know, was was pretty crazy. You know, what's funny is when you were, like, halfway through it, there was a huge, like, pound on the wall behind me out of nowhere, oh, wow. and it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Time to say some prayer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what, what just happened there, but the timing was just like, whoa. Wow. So I know you listen to the Confessionals podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts. Are there any like paranormal TV shows that you like to get invested in and check out? You know, I've been watching a lot of, because I'm a huge Ozzy fan. It's uh, Osborne's Want to Believe. Have you ever seen that? That's I have. Funny. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty funny. I'll, I'll watch that. If there's ever anything, you know, about Bigfoot, you know, I'll watch. I've seen a couple documentaries on all right, I got to stop you there because now I know sure. you believe in cryptids and you mentioned Bigfoot. So, what do you feel about the Dog Man? Do you believe in the Dog Man? I don't. I don't. I don't even know if I believe in Bigfoot. Ah, okay. Like, I, 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 I'm extremely intrigued by the whole thing, mm-hmm. and you know, if it is out there, I would love to see it. But you know, I, I, I want to be in a car doing this. I don't want to be hiking through the woods or, you know, <laughs> something like that and, and, and bang into them. 100%. Um, but uh, the dog, I, I don't, I mean, I, I've heard a lot of stories about it. I mean, there's not as many stories on him as there was Bigfoot. Right. Obviously, you know, there's something that big and that aggressive. And, you know, because every story you hear about dogs, like, oh, they're so aggressive and they're so nasty and they're so mean, but everybody always lives to tell their story about himself. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's so aggressive and so mean and nasty and shot. Like, how are you still here then? You know, like, like at least the Bigfoot stories, you don't hear him attacking anybody. You yeah. Know, it's, you know, they'll, they'll see him and he's walking through the woods or whatever. Right. But every dog man story here, like, I, I don't know if you heard this one, it might have been on Tony's podcast, there was, that there was a guy walking, you know, through the woods and the, the dog man started chasing him and he actually had a Jump a fence into a backyard and he dove into a pool. Oh yes, and I did hear that one. Yeah, yeah. And he like hung. I, I forget how it ended. Like he hung out like under the water until he thought it was safe to come up. Like first of all, they're dogs. Like, like couldn't they just like? I, I imagine they would have great. No, like a dog. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, know, right. like Okay, well the, the scent ends here. Oh look, there he is. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, so the, the the dog ends are just much harder for me to believe than uh, the thing. Like I can I can see. Yeah. You know, like, what, uh, they're discovering how many new species of things every single year. Of course, you know? yeah. And, I mean, woods are just so dense. Like, could something be out there? I'm not saying no, you know? Right. But, right. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more one of those people, like, I need to kind of see. Like, I don't know if I would believe in UFOs if we didn't see what we saw, you know, all those years ago. But, I mean, now we're, all these government videos coming out, I mean, you kind of have to believe that. Like, you know, and I, I thought it was funny how they released all that information in the height of COVID uh, where nobody's paying attention. Yeah, right, of course. And, you know, so, 
it, it's funny too because um obviously i have a belief in all this stuff and the dog man is one that i want to believe in so bad just because it's such a cool concept but you're right yeah. sometimes i hear people's stories and i'm like nah f- fuck you <laughs> yeah yeah right okay sure <laughs> like i don't know what's just in some yeah, yeah. It's like just the the way that they tell it. Like some of these people tell it, and I'm just like, ah, you sound like you're just somebody who wants to be famous. <laughs> yeah, and, and a lot of these people have like multiple fighting. You know? Right, right. They're like, yeah, they're millions of people that don't have one. You're having two. I just start constantly carrying your camera around with you. Right, right. I heard uh, somebody on Tony's podcast that said there was a family of dogmen that like basically lived in their backyard. And I was like, give me a fucking picture. Like take like your, your phone is, your phone is with you all the time. Like s- film these bastards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like I, I buy some security cameras, put up the game cameras, you know, and just prove it. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So have you ever done any kind of like paranormal investigation on your own? Like, you know, maybe like a ghost hunter esque kind of thing. No, no, I've never done anything. I, I would like go on, one of these things, these excursions that Tony's doing now. Oh, yeah. Um, he, he actually doesn't live that far from me. He's probably maybe about 40 minutes from Oh, really? Um, yeah. Uh, I've talked to him a couple times on social media, just, you know, texting back and forth. But yeah, now that he's doing this, was it Legion, Legion of Legends? Or yes, yep. Yeah, like that sounds really, like something like that would be really cool. That's a good plug like, because he's going to be a guest on the show in like two weeks. <laughs> oh, nice. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, like something like that, like going looking for... Really? And yeah, and then 
came in one Sunday. It was just her and I. And I went downstairs, and the door was shut. So I'm like, all right, I'll start the other end of the hall. I came all the way back, door wide open. Wow. And my wife was all the way up to the fifth floor. Like, she would start the top, I start the bottom, and we meet, you know, in the middle. Right. And then, you know, we heard this, I, I get, I go all the way back down to the hallway, and there's papers all over the floor, and uh, computers all over the floor, and I looked up, and the window was smashed in. Was, and wow. I was like, oh, man, I'm like, I don't know if you guys still here. And I like, very calmly walked up, I was like, there he is. Yeah. I'm like, come here. What's she saying? I, like, I don't want to scare her. I was like, yeah. Somebody's in here. The window's broken. You know, but if there's somebody still there, I don't want them to hear us. Right, yeah. So, you know, um, like, hey, what's up? Why don't you follow me? She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, just follow me. You know, so we get all the way down. And we get outside. I was like, window bashed in. You know, we called the cops. And the weirdest thing about it is all the glass is on the inside of the building. Mm-hmm. So the cops went out there and it's, it has been raining, you know, probably two or three days at that point. Yeah. There's not one footprint outside that window. Oh, my God. Not one. There was no fingerprints on the window. They fingerprinted the entire office, and we followed up, you know, a couple of days later with some of the attorneys that worked there, including the attorney you know, whose office that was. And they're like, they, they didn't find anything. It's like, there's not one fingerprint. And... I don't know if you've ever seen any of this one, please do things, but they, they leave behind the dust. Yeah. And it was everywhere, all over this poor guy's office. <laughs> and uh, they didn't find a thing. And nothing was taken. That's, that's the funny part, too. Like, like they're like, oh, you know, maybe it's, you know, a husband going through a bad divorce, and, you know, he, he wants to get a hold of you know, whatever information he can. That's what they're thinking. Yeah. Because he was the only divorce attorney there. Everybody else, it was like real estate. You know, it, it wasn't anything... You know, where you're going to, you know, oh, um, my God, he's a drug dealer. And, you know, and <laughs> he's not, not around for blood. But, uh, you know, <laughs> real estate deal. Yeah, right. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, that, that, that was the, the freakiest thing. Like, how, how did it happen? Like, there's, there's no fingerprints and there's no, you know, footprints. Anywhere. And, and you, you saw the footprints from the cops. Because like they said it's raining two or three days. Right. Like, that definitely would have been footprints out there. And for nothing to be taken... You know, it's even, it even weirder. I don't know. But that place was... Then I uh, started talking to the secretary's husband. He was a maintenance guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, I painted this entire building. He's like, and I stopped. He's like, because I would have to do it at night, obviously, when you know, there's nobody here. Yeah. He goes, I would hear the strangest noises. I swear to God, a little girl was calling out, you know, help, help. Because they're not the only one in the room. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, well, downstairs in the main office. I'm like, that door is constantly opening and closing by itself. He goes, yup. He goes, it does that. I was like, all right. <laughs> I think I think they actually merged with another office in Jersey. They actually wound up closing that office. So I was like, you know what? Just as well. I'm like, I, I don't come back anymore. You know? And it was just a creepy, creepy. Deal. But hell, I, I, maybe I'll tell Tony about that. Go investigate <laughs> that building because there's, Definitely something going on there. <laughs> that, that is, and, and that's why I do not want to go. <laughs> I know how I felt when I was there. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to be anywhere 
on the planet other than that. I think you need to go on the confessionals and tell your stories on his show because that was a wild story. You gave me goosebumps with that one. So now yeah. I got to curve back to kind of wrestling, but also throwing some music because we're going to shake off this yeah. this spooky feeling right now. And yeah, um, <laughs> so music, what gets you in the zone when you're training or getting ready for a match or even in the locker room? Like, what are you listening to? I listen to mostly rock. Like, I love modern. Like, I grew up in the Pretty much listening to the same, you know, Motley Crue, Poison, Warren. Oh, uh, you're speaking my language, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know it's not a cool thing to say, but I, I, growing up, I, I loved Poison. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, we uh, kind of became friendly with Brett and, you know, met him a bunch of times and uh, hung out in the bus. And he turned out to be really, really cool guy. Really, really good dude. Like, like whenever he was in the area, he would have tickets for us. You know, like he did around New York, New Jersey, Atlantic City, stuff like that. We'd always have tickets. I actually have pictures. I'll have to send them to you. Uh, my wife on stage with him in California. What? And yeah, yeah, it was awesome. That's cool. Um, yeah, and then we became friends with uh, Big John. Yeah. Remember yep. Spotted yep. Yeah. Who actually did stuff in wrestling. He was... Uh, more of like a bodyguard. He didn't really work. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he was really cool. I remember that night he gave me his number. He's like, I gotta go meet the entertainment director. He's like, it's probably gonna take about 45 minutes. He's like, here's my number. Call him. And he's like, we're gonna win out for drinks. I was like, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, because I think that was the first time we really, like, met Brett. We were out there visiting your sister. We went to the show. And, uh, we were on the stage. And, you know, at one point, I don't know what made me do it. I just, I grabbed her, threw her up. <laughs> you see Big John coming, and Brett goes, no, no, she's fine. And they started singing together, and then, you know, she jumped down, and I was like, oh, we're going to get thrown out. We're going to get thrown out. <laughs> They're really cool about it. And Big John, like I said, came out to us after the show, and we exchanged numbers, and, yeah, I'm drinking that night. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to... I was going to say, I'm going to have to send you my pictures of me and Big John and me and Brett because I actually have the Poison logo tattooed on my arm and Brett autographed underneath it and I got a tattoo there. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) That's that's really awesome. I actually kind of got my foot in the door again with uh, Balls Mahoney, who was a a good friend of mine. He was a Jersey guy and he lived the next town over from me in Jersey. And uh, he is the one that actually kind of first introduced me. Right after all that happened in California. Yeah. And uh, he was like, oh, okay, so, you know, they're not crazy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, related to like a mark or something, you know. You know <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> of course. But, yeah, and, uh, after that, he would get a ticket for uh, when he was local. That's great, man. Of course, me and you would get along with wrestling, 80s hair metal, and paranormal. That's my Absolutely. stuff. <laughs> Absolutely, man. What else is breaking bad yeah right (laughs) well listen man I I don't want to keep you too long and we've been going for a little bit here so I want you to plug upcoming events that you have for wrestling and I want you to plug your social media so that all of my listeners can start following you and keep up with you know your matches and where you're going to be at oh yeah man that's awesome thank you Uh, I'm just doing Instagram right now NNM31313 just the letters NN Nancy M 3, 13, 13. Upcoming date that I have right now uh, for ISPW, like I said, they're the, 
Mm-hmm. It's this Friday in uh, Totowa, New Jersey. And then we have, uh, let's see, I'm actually trying to pull up these dates right now. Bear with me. Yeah, they're running once a month. Right? It's ISPW Wrestling on Instagram. And then uh, 80s Wrestling on Instagram. You get all the information there. But like I said, May 7th, that that's the convention. And he's got a show that night after the convention. Uh, actually, I think me and my tag partner, uh, I don't know if you know, you been Invisible. You know King Kalua, Mike Kalua? I do, yeah. Yeah, uh, we started teaming up uh, last show. And uh, we worked with the now new upcoming tag team. We're actually going to be working with them tomorrow night in a three-way. Me and Kalua versus the now versus Cheeseburger and LSG. I love it. <laughs> and uh, that's for the tag belt, uh, the crown ISPW tag champ. But uh, yeah, it's tomorrow. Then we got February 18th for ISPW. It's in Butler, New Jersey. Then I got the next night, February 19th, down in uh, South Jersey. It's actually a new company that's starting. Then uh, ISPW again, March 25th, April 30th. Uh, April 30th, actually, the Middlesex County Fairgrounds is going to be cool. And then, uh, you know, May 27th, the convention, and then the show that night. Uh, but he's running once a month. And yeah, man, check them out on Instagram. They're a really good company to work for. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I truly appreciate your time. And this was a lot of fun. And I love your stories, man. You're a good storyteller. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you having me, man. It's a, a really cool of you. And I'm glad I reached out to you. I heard you on Tony's podcast. And I appreciate that too. And I will tell you this: I would like to have you back on sometime when uh, you know maybe we'll we'll talk some horror movies or some some eighties metal uh, shows that we do. We can have you come back on for those. Oh, that'd be great, man! Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. everything. All right, rockers. That was main event Michael Mars, and you can check him out at ISPW in New Jersey. So keep an eye out for them. They're doing big things, and he's been around a long time. And you can check him out anytime they have a show. And follow him on social media for any upcoming events, flyers, posters. And it was really cool to talk some paranormal stuff. You don't get a lot of uh, diversity usually with the wrestling interviews where it's it's either just wrestling or we'll throw in a little music or we'll ask about horror movies. But he's got some great creepy stories. And uh, yeah, so we also dropped the bomb on you that uh, Tony Merkel from the Confessionals podcast is going to be coming on in a couple weeks too. So keep your eyes open for that. And we will see you next week on the All Bets Are Off podcast. The preceding presentation has been brought to you by the Gear Network.